Hey there, you've wandered on to the VUC, a weekly conference produced by IP Communications and VoIP Community. We would like to thank Simwood.com. Simwood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our hosted PBX is from OnSip.com. You can get a URL that people can click to call you at OnSip.com slash GetOnSip. Speaking of SIP, we use the best PSTN and SIP conference bridge in the world, ZipDX.com. Our website at VUC.me is on Bluehost.com. And thanks to Voxbone for our world local rate dial-ins. Uh, thank you, Michael, for the pre-roll. And by the way, we want to mention, as always, Camelio World Conference and Exhibition, Berlin, Germany, May 8th through 10th. The lovely Kathleen King will be there. And she's with us today. And a lot of other people, I think Tim may be there, Andy, and Mr. James Bodie, who just joined us. We're going to turn it over to Michael. Michael is going to drive. So I hope you don't get any calls, Michael. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, don't you know, uh, robocalls. Robocalls have been in, in back in the news again, even just yesterday. Um, but one of the things that, that I learned a little while ago was um, that there was a, something I could load on my phone that would help me combat robocalls. And of course, I haven't had the time yet to do it, but I thought I would ask Alex Kalichi. I'm sorry if I have uh, mispronounced your name to, to join us. Alex is CEO of Umail and welcome and thank you for taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. Um, we have this history of always asking how people got started in technology. Um, so give us, if you will, you know, the the Reader's Digest version of your tech technology history, and then we'll dive off into what is email. So uh, I actually got into uh, programming and technology by accident in college. Uh, I was originally going to be pre-med. I had to take a programming class, and it turned out to be my easiest class. And so I switched majors to computer science, stuck it out, eventually got a PhD, became a professor briefly. Uh, that was at the uh, time when the internet was exploding, and anybody with a good idea could make a big difference. Uh, we got a good idea, which was essentially Siri over a 1-800 number, uh, built it as a service, launched it, got bought by AOL, produced a number of uh, voice-based services for AOL, and then decided I was going to take some time off and somehow, in a very long story, wound up uh, at Umail, running Umail and turning it into the company it is now. Really? Siri over a 1-800 number? Wow. So the, I okay. the idea was, you could say, where's the nearest Chinese restaurant? Uh, where is uh, whatever, you know, where is a particular movie like Star Wars, The Force Awakens playing, those sorts of questions. And we did this back when nobody had a smartphone. So you had a dumb phone, hit a button, dial a number, say what you want, we'd respond. And that was pretty attractive to AOL who wanted it to be kind of their voice portal for the AOL services way back, way back when AOL was very big. Wow. That's very cool. That's very, very cool indeed. And and how about the origins of Umail? Because um, the name Umail doesn't sort of, it doesn't really illustrate all of what you do. So w what is that in its entirety? And then we can drill it, down. It's a historical artifact. So the company, when it was originally founded, the idea was to give your callers a personalized experience. So your mom would get one greeting, your girlfriend would get another greeting, your wife would get a third greeting, etc. And so that was the origins of Umail, which was your personalized voicemail. And that's where it came 
name from. But over time, we've evolved the company into much more of a virtual assistant type offering, like a virtual receptionist that can do a lot for you automatically. And so, yeah, the name isn't great, but you know, when you have 8 million users, it's hard to suddenly send them an email saying there's a new name. Wow. 8 million users. And you've really transformed the role of the company. So are, are, are there legacy services that these users are still hooked into or what are the services? No, what we, what email is actually a cloud-based service. So it's very easy to add functionality as you go along. So robocalls are a good example. We'd originally had a feature which was called ditch. And when you ditch somebody, it would play this numbers out of service. And so people were originally the idea was, well, you have an ex-girlfriend, an ex-boyfriend, they don't get the message. So you just change it. So when they call you, they hear this message and they go away thinking they can't get a hold of you anymore. It turned out we watched people and what people were actually doing with it was a little bit of the act, but a lot of the telemarketer. So they were having a telemarketer like Capital One call to remind them about a debt payment or a credit card payment and they would hit the button and block Capital One with that message. And so that's how we then evolved to saying, well, if users are going through all the trouble to do this, what could we do automatically? And then we started saying, well, we have a huge amount of data We've had billions of calls come into UMail. We can start looking at call patterns and see which ones are clearly misbehaving. A good example is you have a phone number that says, I'm a cell phone number in South Florida, and it's making thousands of calls an hour. (laughs) You know that's going to be a problematic dialer. And so we gradually built some algorithms to be able to detect a lot of this and augmented it with user feedback. And that's how we suddenly had an engine that was starting to to stop robocalls at the source because they'd come in, we'd play the out-of-service message, and they magically stop calling, not only from the number they called you with, but any other number that this particular robocaller might have. And so we sort of gradually evolved into the business of blocking robocalls because we watched our users wanting to do it. Wow. And, and is that is that consistent? Do the auto dialers truly take note of that out of service tone and, and drop you from the database? It's um, about 95 to 97% of the ones that call us do in fact do that. And if you think about it, if you're really, you're, if you're a capital one, and you're calling people to remind them about their credit card, you don't want to be constantly wasting your time calling an out-of-service number. So if you're a legitimate robocaller, you know you have permission to do it. Once the number's gone, what's the point? But if you're a scammer, it's the, the economics of robocalling are you want to dial as many numbers as possible and hopefully catch a fish that you can then scam out of some money or whatever it is you want to do. So you want to make sure you're dialing as many numbers that people might actually have an answer as possible. So it looks like these robocallers, even the scam guys, leverage asterisk, leverage sweet free free switch and keep their own little do not call us like stop calling this number and you know our estimate is in the past year we stopped 500 million robocalls from ever happening by looking at the difference between what happens when you you know just quietly don't answer the phone versus when you play the message and looking at the volume of calls when you play that out of service message the calls really stop and and if you've stopped 500 million do you have some sense of what the universe of robocalls is in this country of it's 500 million out of hundreds of billions what? or out of uh, it's in the tens of billions. So we actually have something we call the email robocall index. We had so many calls coming in and so much data that we could take what we saw on our base and extrapolate it across the U.S. And so that, for example, we just did a press release that last month there were about 2.2, 2.3 billion robocalls in February. Now that's, I, I believe that's 900 something a second. It's just insanity. But that's the level of these robocalls that are happening in the U.S. When you do the math, you say 2.2 times 12, you're at 25, 26 billion. There's what, 250, 260 million adults in the country, 100 per adult per year on average. And the thing is, the average is a little bit misleading because there's people who happily get none. And then there's people who are getting, that we see getting barraged with 30, 40, 50 a day. 
until they've had us for a bit and they can, you know, it gets under control. Wow. Wow. Okay. And what's the mechanics of the process? I mean, what's involved? Yeah. So, so if you want to use our service to stop robocalls, you download an app, our email app, it replaces your mobile voicemail. So you dial some codes that tell the carrier forward the missed calls to email instead of to mail service. And then when calls come in, we, we look at them and say, is this a phone number that we know is a problem or that we believe is a problem? If it is, we play the out of service message instead of a normal voicemail greet. If it's not a, if it's not known to be a problem, but might be a problem, we, we warn people and say, hey, this is a suspected scammer and you can decide, do you want to answer the call or, or not? Very cool. Very cool. And and so it's an app. How, I mean, how trans, how seamless is that to the user? Because, you know, what we've seen a lot of over the top things, but they degrade the user experience by forcing you to go into the app or or what like that. So with with email, you're already going somewhere to do to get your voicemail. So effectively, cha- the main change for you as a consumer is you're using email as your voicemail app when a new message comes in. So when you see the little push notification that says, "Hey, such and so and so left you a message," you tap the push notification. You're now in our app and you're playing the message. It's pretty much the same thing as when you had the iPhone visual voicemail or whatever visual voicemail came with your Android. And not only do we block robocalls, but we do a lot of other stuff. So a lot of people would like to save all their voicemails, or they'd like their voicemails by email, or they'd like to access their voicemails on their computer, not just on their phone. So we provide enough other functionality that you're actually not upgrading your voicemail experience and you're getting the robocall filter. So we, we try to make it as seamless as we can with that in mind. This is a new way to handle your missed call. Very cool. And do you find... Um I mean, where's this being received? What's what's kind of the typical customer? Are they corporate or are they individual or are they 12 or are they 25 or 50? So uh, the main customer for us is actually the sole proprietor. So you're a plumber, you're a real estate agent, you're a consultant, you're a busy person. Your business relies on some number of phone calls. The problem is you're with a client when a call comes in, what are you going to do? Really gravitated toward us because if you're a business person, like a consultant or whatever, every call that comes in could be business. You're a plumber. Every call could be someone wanting to make an appointment. So you want to pick up the phone. The problem is it's then somebody in India telling you, oh, your Microsoft laptop has a problem, $200, I fixed the problem. You just wasted 30 seconds or a minute of your life, probably annoyed the client you were with or slowed down on fixing the sink. You can't afford to have these nonsense calls coming in. And so that's become the sweet spot. But but we see other audiences. So in the US, there are a ton of people who are having financial problems. So they get behind on their credit card, they get behind on their student loan, they get behind on their mortgage. And unfortunately, what happens is you get behind on everything at once, right? So so that means you suddenly start getting all these reminder calls from everybody. You've got Sally Mae calling you. You've got Capital One calling you. You've got T-Mobile saying you're behind on your payment. And you're just, oh, geez, what am I going to do? And so we've got a ton of the people who are in that boat as users of our, our service just to try to get a handle on this and so, sort of keep their head above water and be able to not have their phone ring all day long. Cool. Very cool. I shall have to try this. I, I got to admit, I haven't done. I um, It's been, I would have normally have done, but it's been a very busy week and uh, or a couple of weeks and uh, and I'm behind. Um, so we're supporting like a variety of platforms, presumably iOS and, and Android. Um, do Can we do anything for landlines? Can we do anything for traditional telephony? So the, the key feature we rely on for email is the ability to conditionally call forward a call to us. What that means is let the phone ring a few times. So the person has a chance to pick it up. And if they don't pick it up, then come hit our platform because we've replaced your voice. On landlines, most landline carriers are ancient. The equipment is old. 
They aren't investing in it, so they don't provide access to that feature. So that makes it sort of tough to do much for landline. What we're actually seeing is people giving up their landlines because the robocall problem is so bad, end up using their cell phone for everything, and then the robocall problem follows them to the cell phone. <laughs> but at least there we can solve. Isn't there some law that says because of the billing model for cell phones going back a longer time, isn't there some problem with robocallers calling cell phones just in general? Aren't they prohibited from doing that in a lot of circumstances? So they're prohibited from doing it without your consent. So there's two two different categories to look at. So one is the big bank, the the government, you know, people who have you've signed up and gotten a loan. When you signed up and did that, or you got a credit card, or even you got your gas turned on at your house, you checked a box somewhere that says we can notify you about things related to your account. When you check that box, they now have consent. So there's a bunch of robocalls that you've consented to, even if maybe you don't want. There's a second set of folks who are calling like crazy who are violating the law, but they honestly could care less. If they're sitting in, in India, they're sitting in the Philippines, they're sitting in South America, South Africa, Russia, wherever, they could care less. How is the US going to go get them? And robocalls are really profitable. We we all know how cheap it is to dial and let a phone ring four times and hang up. If someone doesn't pick up, it almost costs nothing, right? You're not even getting billed for that time. And so you really only, you want to get as many of those as possible to get people to pick up. So it's a game. In one once people pick up, it's how good are you as a person on the scamming side to try to scam them? And we see these scammers are really good. I mean, they make compelling offers like, yeah, Microsoft has a $200 rebate. We noticed that we overcharged you. We just need your credit card number so that we can uh, put the credit back to you. <laughs> and people fall for it, right? We're the IRS. If you don't give us $1,000 today, we will shut down your passport. I mean, it, you, you just see this long, long list of scams. And so low cost to make thousands of calls and pretty talented scammers on the other end makes for economics that say we don't care about the law. Wow. Wow. I've noticed, and, and uh, forgive me if some of this is robocall generic and not specific about email, but um, I figure, you know, you have a lot of experience in the area and we should tap that. <laughs> um, do um, I've noticed that I'm with T-Mobile, um, been with them for a long time. Um, noticed that just recently I'm getting flashes on my phone that say, uh, it actually the whole phone face goes red and it indicates this could be a spam call. And then just yesterday I noticed a press release where they said something about server side stopping and now they might have the ability to block calls. You could, could you illuminate a little bit about that for us, or do you do you so, have any insight? So I saw the T-Mobile announcement too. I think the carriers are trying to do similar things to what we're trying to do. They're trying to do it at the network level. So, for example, if you have a phone number that's not a legitimate North American number, you know, zero one one something or other, or one five six, that can be easily blocked at the network level if you assume that that's going to be a spam call. So T-Mobile can go and put a big scam alert for that. If they see very high volumes coming into the network, like a, a number that's just calling T-Mobile people in sequence over and over and over, good chance that's that's a spam call. So you see the, the red alert. So they can build some algorithms at the network level to do this. And then they can try to build tools so that you can click on your phone somewhere and report that, yeah, this was a scammer or no, it was. The the thing that I, I think the delta for us is we provide an experience that's much closer to the consumer. So it's much more customizable. And because we're not doing it at the network level, we can use all sorts of data that T-Mobile can't. So T-Mobile has to rely on volume. We can rely on a whole bunch of information we've collected over time to be able to say, hey, we have data that suggests this is a, a spammer. And 
in, in theory, do a better job than T-Mobile. I think if you put the two things together, though, it's actually really interesting because you've got the carrier blocking stuff that has these sort of bad network behaviors. You've got apps like us blocking stuff because we have more sophisticated user feedback that's helping guide all our other data sources that we have. And so I think putting them together is probably the way it should be for consumers. So it's kind of like a, a coarse control and then a fine control that's more user specific as it gets you know, into your hand, literally. Exactly. Like, do you think T-Mobile is going to start blocking Capital One calls for everybody? They probably aren't going to say that Capital One is a scammer. Where for us, we have a lot of users who say, hey, just block Capital One calls and make them think I've gone away. You know, my number's out of service. And the carriers aren't doing it. When they block a call, I believe they play a fast busy. So it doesn't stop the spammers from keeping, you know, try, keep trying on those numbers. And isn't, I mean, they have a sort of a regulatory reality, don't they, that they have to allow some of these calls. I, I realized that there was an FCC call to permit network side blocking relative to robocalls, but who would say that Capital One is is a robocaller, even though they might well be in the, some people's eyes. A, a, exactly. I think the, the key thing for the carrier is you don't want grandma's call to her grandson to get blocked because you think she's a scammer and she dies of a heart attack. I mean, that's a real issue for carrier. I think for us, if we have grandma's contact information, we have a whole bunch of other stuff in the phone, we can decide when she calls her grandson, she's legitimate, even if that number's being spoofed and used to call else. Mm, interesting. Um, I, I wanted, sorry, I, I wanted to pick up on that go ahead. number being spoofed thing um is that a uh, do you not do you think that there's a risk that people will just spoof more and more numbers because like legit because if they present the right number you'll block it so that's a great question and in fact the they just did a test with at&t and the irs where they have something called the do not originate list so there's a set of numbers that people call they end in 1040 in the u.s for help on doing your taxes or you have an irs issue. well what happened is the spammers started spoofing those numbers and making huge volumes of calls pretending they're the irs so the the obvious step was have a do not originate list that says don't allow any call from these 1040 numbers, the ones from the IRS, to go through, block them at the source. So if you're a scammer, that actually worked pretty well for filtering out scammers. They were suddenly, hey, we can't get through. It lowered the volume by 90% or something to try to stop that spoofing. But then what do they do? They just get another number and pretend they're the IRS with that. So once you block certain numbers, they pop up with another number. It's just just whack-a-mole. And so my own belief is that spoofing will eventually go away with authenticated caller ID, but people will just pick new numbers that are real numbers they got from somebody, call as many people as they can with it, and then switch to a new number. Right. So that, um, yeah, that, that's kind of depressing, actually. But 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 hey, and, and so the other technological question is, is it not possible for the, the scammers to be able to tell that you faked the out of service number is it, it like at the network level isn't it a different signal so yes in theory but you know they're all using the same platforms they're using the asterisk and the free switches and the things like that and they those all have pretty standard behaviors for detecting the sit tones that I, I can't do the tone but that's the idea so when there's underlying os or underlying layers hear that tone, they just say this to be very sophisticated to understand that that tone is being played as a voicemail greeting instead of through the carrier now. And so at least for now, it's working pretty well. I I should say we've got, uh, we've actually got Mike Jarris and and Kathleen King from the Free Switch team on the, on the call here. So you'll, you know, if you're rude about them, they'll know. Um, But yeah, cool. So, so Mike, 
what, have you got any any thoughts on 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 this about whether that detection thing is is something that like could be worked around? And not that I want to give spammers any ideas, but I'm just curious. I, I mean, it depends on what your interconnect is. I mean, if you're if you're just returning, you're do, you have a SIP interconnect, and you're not even doing tones, you're just returning a um, a SIP value. The carrier is going to translate that properly onto the SS7 network as a proper you know number not in service signal, and it, it's not that it doesn't look different it really isn't different if done properly depends on the carrier but um but you, you can't can you do a number not in service after the call is already rung on the handset after it's already rung uh yes you can okay Cool. Um, I'm, I'm out of date here. Anyway, cool. You can't do it after you've answered. Okay. Um, although there's ways to trick it out. You could send a buy with a QA50 with the proper uh, with, with the proper error codes in it. That may actually work in a lot of switches because they're just looking at CDRs. Um, okay. But yeah, you could do it after ringing. Cool. I mean, good old ring busy tone happens on broken networks all the time. And, and uh, we were discussing the idea of authenticated caller ID. How, how, how does that work? Has anybody got any clues on, on what that actually is? I mean, it doesn't exist in the UK, so I'm curious to know what's happening in the US. There's lots of discussion about standards and absolutely zero adoption. So until the carriers get behind a system that um, actually takes the numbers that are trunked to them and validates that you have the permission to send as a caller ID um, and put a system in place, it's not going to happen. It's going to require the carriers enforcing it. And the carriers don't have any interest to enforce it because it's a pain in the ass. Because if I run a company that has PBXs in 12 different cities on five different phone companies and I'm doing weird trunking and I want to be able to send caller ID through or I want to be able to forward a call out to another person, which is going to forward their caller ID, that feature becomes impossible without some sort of special agreement that allows you to send arbitrary caller IDs and the whole system falls apart. So... Uh, to do it right requires like an entire system of crypto keys to you know for that call to come in with the call so you can port it back out and maintain that call already. It's just the equipment. There's no spec for it and no real business push to do it. Um, and complicated things that don't involve real value to the phone companies aren't gonna won't ever get done. So Alex, does that match your perception? A little bit. I mean, I think the FCC is actually pushing the carriers very hard to put this authenticated caller ID system in. So at least the big carriers and the big VoIP carriers will have a form of authenticated caller ID. There are going to be issues with the legacy SS7 network versus IP networks. And there's a bunch of issues with it, but I think they're all moving toward it. But I think what, what everybody's sort of lost is, so suppose what does authenticated caller ID mean? It's presumably means this phone number really originated this call and now it's being routed along the path. But what does it say about the caller name? So I can right now go to the Sprint website on my Sprint phone and I can change my caller name to FBI and then I can call somebody from my Sprint cell phone and look like I'm the FBI if they're looking at the caller name. So imagine a world where there's authenticated caller ID and carriers are labeling it like this is really the phone number. The spammers will simply take advantage of that to start filling in whatever name they want and they'll be much more successful because people go, oh, my caller ID is authenticated. This must be the FBI. This must be Microsoft. So even once you solve that entire problem of making sure the phone number is is legit and passing through the network, what do you do about the name? Well, you're depressing. And so I don't know if that's even been addressed. What's that? 
you're depressing me even more now. So. Well, uh, now is probably the time to stop being depressed and go into uh, an uplifting demonstration, I think, Tim. Uh, I can see that Randy is ready to show off the, the wonderful email. No, I just have are. the site because I thought that people might no. want to be able to take a look at going to email.com. It is email.com, isn't it? it um, in, uh, yeah, go ahead. To show how easy fact, it is I just to, loaded the, to do I it. just loaded the app on the phone while you guys were having uh, that discussion. I just loaded the app on my phone and registered for the service and had it send me a verification voicemail message. So I am now successfully using uh, Umail, and it's now pulled my T-Mobile voicemail uh, away from T-Mobile and, and is going to their service. And yeah, I was so, all, so all it's done is it's changed the the divert when not available or busy, so that instead of going into the network operator in your case T-Mobile's voicemail platform, it goes into the Umail platform. And can I say, Alex, that I have been a, a Umail customer or user? since 2009 well thank you that's awesome to hear <laughs> i love i love it that is excellent can i uh, can i add one thing we do do one other thing besides the diversion header and that's that if you have an iphone I, apple lets you load up a number of numbers that shouldn't get through and so when you first download email we fill in the, that list of numbers with about i think it's 150,000 problematic numbers at any one time so that way we can suppress the ringer from ever happening on your iphone and so if you have email for a while, you'll start enjoying the silence and you can click on the history tab and you'll see, oh, email smart block this, email smart block that, where your phone never even rang. Um, on Apple, you have to give it the give us the block call permission. On Android, we actually set it up so the bad numbers are being forwarded to voicemail and suppress them in a similar sort of way. So email is your voicemail and handling your missed calls, but we're also preventing your phone from ringing on things that we believe are really bad guys. And when they're... Uh, potentially good guy, you'll see the caller ID say suspected spammer or something kind of similar to what you saw with your T-Mobile before. Yeah. So playing the devil's advocate, how, how hard would it be to, um, to, to, to get a number on that list that kind of maybe shouldn't belong there? Like how, how do I, can I spoof you guys? <laughs> behave yourself. You know, too. it's funny. So, someone actually did spoof us, but we start detecting spoofing pretty quickly because we see a number transition from most people like the number and don't report it as spam, say it's not spam or get Giving us comments that this is really Citibank. And all of a sudden we start seeing scam, spam, you know, reports. And we're like, okay, this number really is their number, but the comments indicate a completely different kind of behavior on the number. Now it's being spoofed, at which point it'll become a suspected spammer. So people can let the number roll to voicemail and then decide, is this real or not? So you're right. There, there is a potential false positive problem, but we do our best to detect it. And because we're, you know, we're voicemail, it's not really bad for us not to ring if it rolls to voicemail. That's kind of the worst simple false positive and then people leave a message right cool yeah, what, what i like about this offering is that it, it's got a it's got legs you can take this a long way so effectively what you're doing here alex is that you're getting people to put you into their traffic part into their push their traffic through you but then um in return for that you give them a whole load of stuff back again which is that, that, that's smart. that's right i mean our model really genuinely is a lot of people would like to hire somebody to handle their calls and just not have to deal with it. So how close can we come to that model 
of being an intelligent assistant handling as many calls as possible for you so that the ones you don't want are filtered. The ones that, uh, for example, are calling for an appointment are getting a text back immediately with a button they can click to make an appointment. The, the calls and messages are being routed to people for you to handle them if you're running a small business. So we try to really take the model of I'm hiring somebody and instead of hiring a person for $10 an hour, I can get email for you know $10 a month. That's, that's sort of the idea of the sophisticated professional version of email. And for the free service, we just provide fewer receptionist-like features. Yeah, and I have to say, a number of people have tried to do this in the past, but uh, they tend not to have lasted very long. And what what you've managed to do, Alex, is you've done it right, and you've lasted, and I think you're probably making money out of it now. Uh, We've definitely scaled the company nicely, and we continue to scale it. And, you know, our goal going forward is to actually expand the set of services that we provide. By having so many users, by having so many calls, we actually see what people are doing with their phones. And then we can say, how could we automate this piece of behavior in a compelling way for folks? And I think that's our, it's, it's not really a network effect, but it's a little bit of a network effect where it's a data effect. So the data from our network of users enables us to better serve them and then expand that network. I mean, it's a phone service, so it doesn't grow like Facebook, but it's growing very steadily and we're consistently making it a better and more compelling service. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. Well, thank you. And I will continue to be a, a, a customer. And I might actually uh, uh, upgrade because I, I never got as far as actually paying you money, I have to say. But, uh, but uh, <laughs> we know we'll get you at some point. Usually it's faster than eight years, though. <laughs> yeah, well, the re- reason for it is I use it. I've got, a, in a previous life, we managed to buy a, a small rural network in Montana. And uh, and that network used, as default, email as, uh, as the, the network voicemail. iSmart Mobile, I believe, I think it uh, was. Well, yes, it was indeed, yes. I was uh, responsible for, for buying that. Um, oh, okay. And Great. so I, I still have a number of Montana numbers. But I'll tell you what I'd like to do. I'd like to use the the U-mail uh, application, voicemail application, with my um, with my Google Voice. That joins nicely with my question, uh, which is, of course, that I'm looking at a thing right now, Alex, saying, we detected that your phone number, such and such, uh, is currently provided by Google Voice. And at this time... Google uh, email is not available. And I understand that because nothing is available in Google Voice. But my question to you, Alex, would be, uh, would there be a way to do a pass-through for their... Because when you Google Voice, for people who don't know, um, there's a moment where you can you forward your... You have to forward your calls to some number. If you forward it to a landline, you have to then verify. So there's a you need a pass through to be able to receive that first call and then you're good. There apparently there's not an easy way to do this, Alex. Yeah, I mean so so we're an over the top service, right? Which means that we need some functionality like the ability to divert calls done in a reasonably easy way or we can't be over the top on a given carrier. I think if you think it through though, I'm not sure that Google Voice has that much stuff that's more compelling than Umail and I would imagine that at some point in the future Umail will have what Google Voice has. And then why have Google Voice at all? Well, so the I reason, think, you know, I, excuse me I, for I interrupting, that's going to be our path. The reason for having Google Voice for those of us in Europe is that we're not there. So we do, we do have Google Voice in the United States. And when I go there, I do have T-Mobile. But the other problem is, and this is, this is important too, is that for people who travel a lot, 
Um, so I have a T-Mobile number that I've maintained over the years, but I can't do the forwarding part from here right now because uh, that number is in a plan that doesn't allow me to access it from here. I don't know if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I, basically, I, I'm on. I do. Yeah, you know, I mean, the big advantage of of uh, T-Mobile is you turn it on and off. So ours, when we're here for months, obviously is off. I'm not going to pay thirty or forty or fifty dollars a month for a service I don't need. So at this point, there's no way for me to forward the calls. I guess that's the biggest problem, well, I think, really. So the USSD forwarding, the the star hash, whatever it is. Uh, um, hello, I, you know, there's no way to get on the network to do that. Um, so I think I think there's a bigger a bigger thing to talk about here, which is ultimately the. The phone service is just something that rides on top of data service, right? So there's no reason you have to get the phone number, that you, which is the really interesting part of what you got is a phone number you can answer and make calls on. There's no reason that has to come from a carrier. There's no reason that has to come from a large company like Google. You're starting to see more and more services starting to provide a phone number with some collection of stuff. If you think about email, we have a great collection of stuff. We're just not providing the phone number. And so you can imagine that a reasonable place for us to go is provide phone number. And in fact, if you're a paid email user, we already give you what we call an extra line which is another phone number, and it has a number of the email features associated with it. It has call routing, it has PBX-like stuff, done very, very simply email style. So we're almost there to being able to provide you a solution that's, hey, I got a smart number from email, I'm just going to use it. And so man, it, you know, as a company, you know, that's, I think, where it's pretty obvious where we're headed. You are one of the greatest salesmen I've ever had the occasion to meet on this conference, Alex. Thank you. No, that's a, that's a, that's a great direction to take and um, a, a natural next step. So, so I, I have a question you may choose not to answer, but can you tell us anything about your technology stack? Uh, sure. I, you know, basically, if it's free, we used it. <laughs> so we, we have Camilio, we have FreeSwitch, we have MySQL, we have Hadoop. If you took the laundry list of what's the free stuff everybody builds a scalable communication service out of, we've done it. And we built our own kind of secret special sauce on top of that to provide the end user features that we thought were really important. And to scale it up but it's this it's almost like i could say go go to the menu and pick standard free database pick standard free load balancer pick standard free call router etc right that's that's how we built it are you gonna uh, send anyone to Camelio World in Berlin in a in a month or two's time. Now that you've mentioned, it, I'm sure I'm going to get some requests. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah, um, w what we need to do uh, uh, is work out how you can uh, extend Umail outside of the continental US because it's a brilliant service, but at the moment it's very North American centric. It is, so and that's because when we started, a lot of the carriers in Europe didn't provide any way to forward your calls, and over time they did start to provide ways to forward your missed calls. But in order to get access numbers and things in the, in Europe that behave like what we use in the US, it's extremely expensive. So we didn't well, no, see the economics of going out no, in Europe with a free no, service. It isn't if you talk to the right people. Exactly. <laughs> and the right people, Corrado and I, and and Andy will will all be at Camera Elio World. So by the way, it's Camera Elio, as in Camera 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 Elio, not Camelio. Oh, we like, actually said Camelio. I guess it's the Hawaiian influence in the US. Is it? Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> well, we we like to say aluminium as well. So. Uh. <laughs> 
So there you go. I managed to pull the UI up. And as I said, I've been tinkering with this just now. I'm now a verified user. And this is the UI is very good. It's nice. It's clean. It is, it is a nice UI. It's well worth showing off because a lot of work and effort has gone into making this slick. Um, and it's good. Yeah. Well, well thank you. Any, I know it's, it's great for us to hear that because we have all the screenshots on the board of where we want to go. So we know how much better we can make all of this. Yeah. Well, I, I think we, we need to see this over here in Europe because I think you could do very, very well out of this but it's just a case of sorting out um uh, people who know how to make the back end work to give you all the stuff you you want and and i think actually we can give you everything you want plus a whole load more that you don't know about joe michael are you set up for a call um yeah you could call me it would come in uh, in what's fact, the last I was just digit of the number I, you want to be called on? Just the last digit. I, I, hang on. Um, two. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Calling on line two. I'm, just turn it's gonna, it, bear in mind, it's going to go. It's, I'm gonna not going to answer. It's going to go to yeah, voicemail. Let's, uh, let's see what happens. Well, you have Wait, to have the it, interface. Are you dialing out on the ZipDX bridge? No. Oh, look, there's Randy's number. Is there anything? (laughs) Yeah, and it was gone. It went to voicemail. But now I'm going to go back to look at my messages. And you're going to leave a message, right? Not quite And then the message will. Here we go. Oh, my God. (laughs) You have to enter the whole. All right. There's a little problem here. But it's the first time you called. There was a little problem here, which was that you you have to enter the full telephone number, which was too laborious for doing that right now live. Um, they, the uh, Alex, you can tell us what happened here. It uh, got a message saying that they were not able to find the full, the the right number or something. So, so one know? of the things Gmail does is we rely on the originally called number um, as something we're provided. So when you call me, the call's then forwarded to my voicemail box. Mm-hmm. Well, when you when I when the call comes into us, Gmail, we need to know you were calling me as an individual. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the carriers lose that number, given that you're in Europe using Google Voice making a call. No, no, no I wasn't using Google. Like, I was not using Google Voice, but I did have a European number. I can, I could have called via you. Uh, so it could be that I would have to take a look at it. I mean, sometimes you see some edge cases like that. But maybe it's um, just because he just joined. Maybe it's just because he just joined it. I mean, it was like 20 seconds ago, so it may not be. Uh, you, you mentioned the case of the database having to be, you know, to uh, to roll yeah, out. A, a, better way, be a better way of demonstrating it would yeah. be to dial out from the ZipDX conference bridge, which would then present a... Well, it's going to give the message that I just heard, but we certainly... No, 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 it, no, it won't. It won't, Randy. Uh, because, because it's not um, European. Yeah, yeah, that would be something you could try, Michael, if you want to. And then, of course, oh, everybody will, will hear it because yeah. the... ZipDX is plugged in. Yeah, that would be an advantage. Um, there we go. So that, it, that's one of the challenges. Oh, of Hi, Michael is currently unavailable. Please leave a message. And this is where we can all get to leave a message for Michael. Happy birthday to <laughs> you. Happy <laughs> and then how do we hang up? Well, I guess, Michael, you've got to hang up. Disconnecting now. last outbound call. There we, there we go. go. I, just hung it. I just hung us up. Um, and so uh, momentarily, we should see a message appear. That's right. Think. It's got to transcribe it. Or I guess that's you're on Android, so you haven't turned on transcription yet. But you should see the audio shortly. So transcription. Um, how's the hit or miss on that? Is it, is it, is it accurate? Is it not accurate? 
is it constantly evolving or is it static? It's so it, it's constantly evolving. It's getting better and better. At email, we do two tiers of it. We do one that's automated, and the, the automated is good. It's good enough you don't have to listen to the vast majority of your messages, but it's it's not perfect, right? So it's going to screw up names. It's going to screw up places. There's a variety of things that that can go wrong. We su- supplant it with a premium human editing service where actual operators clean up the transcription. And so for the busy professional who just wants to forward these on like like email. They end up using that level of quality. Actually, as transcription has become less and less of the value of email over time, the blocking robocalls, the getting messages everywhere, the automatically replying with a text message. There's a set of other features that are actually why people go and get email. And so, you know, transcription matters. We throw it into our paid services, but it's not the the key for emailing. Yeah, my experience is that normally the automated um, transcription is good enough for you to get the gist of what's being said yeah to see what the call's about for sure yeah and and, and hit delete yeah exactly and you can work out what's important what's not and normally about 90 percent of the stuff that comes in is not important but i mean uh, i i keep repeating this experience i have with google voice which is the transcription that tells about having my cat uh sterilized and i have an appointment and so on (laughs) so some weird city in the United States. Uh, Alex, maybe it's time to talk a little bit about pricing because you've mentioned that there are paid services. James has not deigned yet to opt for one. But well, not, I don't we'll, get very, we'll hook very many calls from we'll Montana. Hook, well, we'll hook him. But um, let's so, talk a little bit about that. And um, it's... Um, I heard that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say something. So, about so there's a, there's a, the free service basically does a few things for you. So number one is it really strips out robocalls. It's a very good service for getting rid of that problem for you. Number two is it gives your callers a personalized greeting. So you heard one we generate automatically. We call our smart greeting where it says, hi, you know, Mike is unavailable. He never recorded anything, but because we knew he was Mike, we did it. And on a lot of phone numbers in our database, we'll know who they are. So be, hi, Jim, Mike is unavailable. So that's actually kind of a cool feature. And for any individual, you can record something for a specific number. The third thing is just a really better cloud accessible, big permanent mailbox. So you can get your voicemail on any 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 device. It's going to stay there forever. We store a hundred of them, but for free, you can easily download them. So that's kind of the core proposition of the free with one more feature, which is called auto reply. So all of us have had, you know, calls come in on our phone and we tap the little button that says, I'm busy, call you back. Turns out that's not super useful because it's like, I know you're busy, you didn't answer. <laughs> so what people well, what is useful is a text message says, I'm busy until 5 p.m. Click here if you want to send me an email, etc. And so we provide that kind of smart reply functionality that's very valuable for people. And so that's the, the free service. So we we charge $12 a month for a paid service. And the paid service is about doing everything the free service does, but much more professional. So the greeting isn't just, hi, hi Jim, Mike is unavailable. It's, hi, Mike Smith, uh, blah, 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 realtors. Whatever message you want, we professionally record and synthesize with the, call, the caller's name to have a really cool, really professional greeting, which matters when you're a small business and you have this impression you want to leave people. The auto reply can actually send people to a mobile landing page that has your email, your website, uh, ways to book appointments, a whole collection of stuff. So somebody calls you, but you're under the sink, they get the text message, they click on the text message, they say they can either email or maybe they click a button, make an, make an appointment. You Instead of losing business with a missed call, you actually gave that caller a very compelling experience. We then expand into things like if you do have an assistant, 
assistant. People who call you can press zero to connect to that assistant. So they call your cell phone. I really need to talk to them. Press zero. Boom, they're connected to your assistant, which is kind of a PBX feature made extremely simple. So no one even knows it's a underlying PBX. And there's a collection of other features along those lines in the business version. And the other important thing is that you get an extra phone number, an extra line as part of that service. You can start separating out business calls from personal calls. Right. So we really try to look at the use case of a professional. What do you actually need to be effective in dealing with phone calls? Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, what, what, one uh, feature that I quite like is that I have tend to have lots and lots of phone numbers and having then lots and lots of different voicemails is a bit of a pain. So what I like to do is to point them all at one single voicemail box. Yep. Um, and that is incredibly useful for me. And um, and at the moment, over here in Europe, I use Hello Mail. You're probably familiar with Hello Mail, but I'll tell you what, Umail is much richer in terms of functionality. Um, so, I'll have to let Andy at Hello Mail know. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll be upset. He'll, I'll have to re- remind him to invite me to some of his funky parties again because uh, I haven't been to one of his parties for some time. I think it's worth underlining that, you know, for me, who's just testing stuff and, you know, messing around with Gmail, uh, with uh, Google Voice and so on, you know, $12 a month is not something I'd want to pay. But that if I was in a small business in the United States, I mean, to be able to have that functionality to transfer the call to someone else who's going to arrange, in other words, saying, I'm busy till five, you can call me. But what you just described is actually excellent. I mean, that's that's well worth the uh, modest sum of $12 a month. So, yeah, yeah. I think well, there are fantastic. Yeah, other scenarios. I'll give you another one. This is for the international traveler, um, like me, you know, svelte business-like gentleman who uh, pops up all over the world. Uh, the problem with that is people don't know that you're in a completely different time zone. And, and so you tend to get phone calls at three o'clock in the morning. And being the sort of person that I am, I can't really turn the phone off. So to have something that recognizes that I am um, in uh, Pacific time and not Greenwich Mean time is quite useful. Uh, and then to push a, um, an announcement which says, or early media even, which says um, it's three o'clock in the morning. Do you really 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 wanted to uh, disturb him otherwise leave a voicemail or send Does an it sms well, uh, well it could do couldn't it well you can you can do parts of it i mean uh, that's well, kind of where we're headed but it's easy enough for you to record multiple greetings and before you go to sleep you change your greeting to one that says hey please know i'm in another time zone well <laughs> and, that's, the, that's yeah. the bit where we can probably help you because we can supply you with uh, where where i am at this moment in time you know, that that's an excellent area to pursue, in my opinion, because uh, we've all, anyone who travels at all has had that problem. So that's, that's a great place to pursue. Um, I'd like to ask if anybody has any questions who's, uh, but we have a couple of, ah, Corrado. Yes, yes, I have one. Scotsman. <laughs> Uh, Scott Italian. Uh, we develop uh, on the basis of uh, Asterisk and other stuff, we developed a phone system. And I was wondering if uh, it would be possible to tap into the database uh, to get a list of the naughty people that we could, uh, from our phone system, divert uh, different. So we recognize that that is a nuisance call. Do so so the answer is yes, sort of. So email actually is a platform and a a set of services built on the platform and then a set of apps that provide access to those services. But the platform provides an API. And so there's an API for doing basic things like retrieving messages, transcribing messages, setting up greetings, all that sort of stuff. There's also an API, which we call our data API. And the data API is a way where you can take any phone number and ping us like with CNAM 
and we'll give you the probability the number is a bad guy. We tend to have, want people to do uh, API calls versus getting a list because it changes so dynamically, right? There's constantly new bad guys, old numbers that were spoofed are now safe again. I mean, there's just change after change. And so we've actually provided that at extremely low cost to do queries on that database and let people embed it into their phone system. Fantastic. Yeah, that's that's a module that we probably will think and, and engineer. We need to Great. get in touch. I've got a comment and a question. It's David, if that's okay. More than okay. I was looking to probe you. <laughs> um, so first, just a comment. I, I just many of you are overseas and may not know. Um, you know robocalls, I, you do know, are a big problem. They are the most complained about thing at the at the federal government, at our federal government, at the Federal Trade Commission, and at the Federal Communications Commission. Problem has been rampant for oh, probably six, seven years. It's it's gotten to this terrible, terrible level. And and effectively, zero progress has really been made in, in getting the number of complaints, which is a proxy for the number of robocalls, reduced. I think that efforts like Alex's have, have probably done some things to keep it from growing even faster. Um, but what I think is worth noting, there's lots of people in the United States and, and in Canada and a few other places working on this problem. Um, Alex brings uh, a lot of rigor and a lot of scale to the problem. He, he isn't giving you anecdotal information. His platform, his base is big enough that he is able to uh, you know see the landscape from up high and, and draw these conclusions and the numbers, like the numbers that he quoted at the beginning of this call, have been quoted by the Federal Communications Commission uh, in in reporting the problem and uh, and talking about it and so on. So he has a, a, a good reputation here on this on this front, and I think he's making a great contribution to uh, to the effort in this so far intractable problem. Uh, the question I thought I'd ask you, Alex, is uh, you, because specifically you do voicemail, um, it means that a lot of these robocallers end up leaving messages in your customers' mailboxes. Um, and I'm wondering, uh, do you do anything today? Do you have any effort today where where people go and listen to these things or where customers can can turn over to you uh, the the media, the content of a voicemail message from a robocaller, or, or do you do you operate honeypot mailboxes or effectively abandoned mailboxes uh, that that could be used perhaps to to compile even more information about these people and to be used potentially in enforcement actions against robocallers. So the answer is yes, but it hasn't been released widely. So there's a if you go to directory.umail.com, we actually have provided a publicly accessible way for people to search and find out we have on a given phone number. And so for each phone number, there's a bunch of info. It's clear to us that we want to add voicemails when the number is reported as spam. We would like to add copies of those voicemail to those pages to really hammer home the data we have on a given number and let other people see, hey, here's the kind of data that the kind of voicemails that these spammers leave. So we want to publicly expose it. It's in our roadmap. I'm sure it's going to happen fairly soon. Internally, we actually use that information to help us with our algorithm. So if you suspect someone's a spammer, but you're not sure, but you see the exact same voicemail over and over and over again, probably going to be pretty safe to say they're a spammer. So the answer is, yeah, voicemails are actually a really valuable piece of information. And it's a certain kind of spammer that leaves a voicemail versus hanging up. If you're just trying to 
scare somebody into immediately wiring you money, you don't necessarily want to leave a voicemail that says that where you can get caught later. But there are other times where you do want to give a number and say, oh, you need to call us within a week, et cetera. And you will see voicemails about the, those sorts. And then you see the accidental voicemail where the system saw us answer, thinks we're a person and starts you know, telling us to press one, press two, whatever the, the behavior is that they'd like. From the, um, this, side of the uh, this side of the Atlantic, a little thing about enforcement. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the information commissioner in the UK has been pretty active in this field recently. Um, so I'm looking at a press release for actually a year ago now, um, and they find a company for uh, some total of £350,000 for basically for robo-dialing. Um, and and they, they seem to be happy to go after the beneficiaries of robo-dialing rather than necessarily the um, the people actually doing the, the dialing. So if you're a um, UK company and outsourcing your robo-dialing to, to India, they'll still go after the UK company. Um, so it's an interesting distinction in how like proactive they're prepared to be. I can't say I've seen a huge decrease in the amount of junk uh, that comes in on my landline, but, you know, hey, it's a start. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's great to see these enforcement actions starting to happen, but as we all know, it takes a long time to do an enforcement action. You've got to find the spammer. You've got to create evidence of what they're doing. You have to go to court. You, I mean, you generally, I guess the government files a lawsuit or tries to prosecute them criminally. Eventually, there's some settlement. So it's a really long period of time and that's just to get one of them but i mean anybody can grab a grab even twilio and start making calls very cheaply or build their own platform and so you know it's so easy to go and get a number and start dialing for dollars that i think it's very hard to stop i mean i know in india they got a call center that was making huge numbers of fake irs calls to the u.s i believe it was up to 750 employees a whole bunch of stuff and somehow the indian government went to go shut that down so we saw you know those irs calls go down for a little bit and pretty soon another call center popped right up doing more IRS calls. So it's, it's very hard. It's a lot of whack-a-mole. And I'm not sure. I think enforcement's great, but it's not going to solve the problem. Just like I think a lot of the policy stuff that's being done by the FCC is helpful, but it's not going to solve the problem. It's going to, if you think about um, phone spam, which is what we're really talking about, think about what happened with email spam, right? For a while, everything was nice and peaceful. Then people figured out, gee, it's free to send an email. Actually, these emails you can send to a million people and get a few clicks and you actually make money, right? And then you started the this cat and mouse game of, you know, some rules about who could, the legitimate, that controlled the legitimate emailers, but the illegitimate emailers didn't care about. Then you started seeing tools at the ISP level. You saw some equivalent of authenticated caller ID, like the, I, uh, what is it, the IP address about verification, people keeping lists of all that stuff. And gradually over time, you started seeing all these pieces come together to solve the problem from the, the, the email clients themselves, like Thunderbird, trying to keep its own database to, to help you with email or you know Microsoft keeping it across all the Outlook users through the underlying ISPs. I mean, everybody Everybody had to do some work here to make that problem go away. And now I think most of us would agree that there is some email spam, but it's pretty small, right? I view that's where phone calls are going to go over time. It's just that an unwanted phone call seems like much more of an annoyance than an unwanted email. And so we probably have to do even more work in the phone space to try to stop these calls as much as we can versus emails. You know, if 95% of them go to your spam folder, you better spam, you're, you're cool with it. Yeah, I think the thing with one of the, no, very- a spam call. Um, <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> uh, 
I was talk, chatting with Kathleen in a text, and uh, uh, she was saying that she gets plenty of robo, robocalls, and some of them are from uh, collectors. Kathleen, you want to give us a quick uh, rundown on the annoyances that you're experiencing? Sure. Um, most of mine end up being sort of the, the robots where you answer and you say hello, and they... Uh, um, end up saying something along the lines of, you know, oh, oh, sorry, my headset, you know, came off a little bit. Hi, how you doing? I'm so, and then they go into some sort of um, ridiculous explanation of why they're calling you. Um, but I've noticed that they are spoofing numbers. So it'll come in as a, just a regular phone number from Virginia um, or anything else like that. Um, and then it'll be a robocall and I'll go to block the number and they'll call me back from a different number of, of some different variety. So, um, I I wish, actually, and I think I've said this a couple weeks ago to somebody, I wish that there was a way that you could take your phone number when you're forced to give it, you know, when you're buying something or you're signing up for something online and they require your phone number. I wish there was a way to put a tag on it like you can do emails so you know exactly which company has then sold or shared or is spamming your phone number. Yeah, well, um, well we've got an answer for that. Great uh, point. I carry, carry around a block of 100,000 UK mobile <laughs> numbers. Just uh, give a different number to everybody else. Not a yeah. number for that, mere, that is not a solution for mere mortals like the rest of us, though, James. No, no, no. So you're, you're, so you're joking, but, but the, you're on the right track of a solution, which is just like you have multiple email addresses, You everybody should have multiple phone numbers. You don't necessarily yeah. need 100 phone numbers, but having a phone number that you give to Vons when they want the grocery store wants information about you or give to Citibank when you sign up, etc. That's clearly where this has to go. You want a phone number for that. You want a phone number for business. You want a phone number for personal. And so I think the fact is there's room for nearly 10 billion phone, what, 8 billion phone numbers in the North American numbering system. We're only using 600 million. Let's go use all the rest. And I think that's what we're going to see happen. Yeah. Why should you be constrained to only have one number? Because life is more complicated than that, isn't it? Exactly. Uh, And by the way, um, Alex, I've just um, tried putting one of the... um, missed calls on one of my US numbers into directory.umail.com and it confirms it as a confirmed spam caller trying to sell mortgage rates scam <laughs> so so that's useful that's great what i want to do is to now build that into my inbound um sip void trunk so that um that i don't get these junk mail phone calls uh on my montana number because that's very boring we are showing the film strip at the moment everybody so i would like to ask you all including you alex our esteemed guest to raise your hand if you have started to not answer calls that you of the from numbers that you don't recognize on your phone oh absolutely <laughs> so that's so tim tim wait a minute who did, who did not that. raise their hand there tim yeah i, I don't tend to look at the well <laughs> partly as james has just proved um there is no caller id on my my rotary dial phone. <laughs> um, so uh so i have no way of knowing whether it's a spoof call or not when i pick it up um and on my my mobile i actually pretty much don't answer it anyway um I, it's, it's it's a uh, I, I, um, unless I'm actually expecting a phone call, you know, from somebody who's telling me where to meet them or whatever, I tend to ignore it. And and if I'm, I may listen to the voicemail, I may not. Typically, I expect people to contact me another way. Uh, exactly. And we know that. And so we know that if we want to communicate with you, Tim, you have to use something like um, a uh, messenger or wire or something like that. Yeah, or, or indeed the red phone. Uh, but I think to get back to Alex and you, Mail, uh, the fact is that uh, we're every, not just people on the panel here and the people listening, but we're, we are all, everyone, now that everybody's got a cell phone, we are all very, very leery of answering, question, of answering phone calls from... <laughs> 
questions too. Of answering <laughs> phone calls from people who uh, whose number we don't recognize. I've I've had several wrong numbers recently. It's not that common, but you know, it's like people. It's funny too because they're surreal. It's obvious, like a intimate connection. Like, hey, so and so, how are you doing? But it's not my name, and you know, with the and it's like I think you have a wrong number. Oh, sorry. So uh, we made a prediction, right? So our prediction is voicemail is going to come back a bit. So the fact of the matter is, it's not. It's like you don't open the door of your car in a bad neighborhood. You can't answer the phone for a random number. And so the thing is, once everybody starts doing that, then people have to either text you or leave you a voicemail. And I've actually noticed I'm getting more voicemails now that I never answer my phone as if it doesn't appear in my contact list and be somebody I know. And I think we're systemically seeing higher volumes of voice voicemail at email because people are doing this now. If it's an important call, if it's Citibank, they will leave a message. If it's my bro, you know, your broker, they're going to leave a mess. People are going to leave messages now if they matter. If they can't leave a message, why bother? And because voicemail now has transcription and it's delivered to your phone, it's just a whole nother experience. Why wouldn't you leave the message? And so we actually see voicemail volumes growing now. And the whole separating point is that, well, uh, when you see a, uh, my wife and I both uh, do this, you see a number you don't recognize, you don't answer. Well, they didn't leave a voicemail. That means that it was probably a wrong number. They heard my thing. They heard my voice. They heard her voice. And hey, I don't know these people. It's the wrong number. So that's that actually is a pretty good first filter. Probably. I have a question though. Yeah. How, how is it possible to dial a wrong number? These are people that still dials the numbers. It's a good point, actually. But I I think the answer to that from me would be somebody writes it on a cocktail napkin in a bar. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not your closest friend, although the people who call me, the wrong numbers I've gotten two or three in the last week or so, and they've all been obviously very intimate uh, acquaintances. So, yeah, you're right. How do you? Because usually you just click on the number. You know what? I'm convinced that some girl in Paris that is giving away your number... (laughs) Could be it, it used to be that 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 site. Um, what was it called? Paper napkin, I think it was called, which specialised in 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 giving out. Uh, you could you could be you know Janet at papernapkin.com, and anybody who emailed that would uh, would get an email back saying whoever gave you this email address didn't want to speak to you ever again. And, uh, <laughs> And they also had a, a, a block of mobile numbers as well that you could hand out to people who were persistent, um, and you'd give them this mobile number, and it would be uh, it would be a message which said, you know. Um, and in fact, I think they even published the recordings because people tended not to. There were a lot of very arrogant men who didn't believe these these um, that these girls did, weren't into them, and there were some very very funny recordings of people leaving messages saying, "But you you, you were so into me. How could anyway? Never mind. Brilliant." Um, that's a brilliant plan. Let's see if we have any uh, last-minute questions, comments, desirata from anybody. David Frankel on ZipDX, are you still there? Yes, he is. Anyone? No. Um, well, I posted in the channel a second ago. There's uh, more of a reason to not answer your phone if it's an unknown call. They uh, In the U.S. a little while ago, we had reports where scammers were calling, and you'd answer, and you'd say something like yes or hello, and they'd get you to say yes, and then they'd use that to sign you up for their services, and then they'd I guess, use the recording of you saying yes to say, hey, look, they agreed for our stuff. So um, even more of a reason to not answer unknown numbers, I suppose. Indeed. What you that's, want that's, to... really, that's, that's really, that's really, 
really funny because I hadn't actually thought about that, but I can imagine a robocall service that says, may we have permission to call you from any of our numbers? And it's saying that you're saying yes, yes, hello, yes. And now they've got essentially consent. It's actually very clever, although I haven't actually seen any evidence of that yet in our call traffic. But, you know, it's it does sound pretty interesting. It's a, a wonderful way to get consent by just asking people and, the, and hearing people say the word yes. Yeah. What I want the, the platform to do for me is to pre-qualify the call before it gets through to me. So I, I'd like the platform to work out how important the call is. And there are good ways of doing that, like kind of asking the person, is this really important? Who's going <laughs> to say no, though? <laughs> well, um, uh, well, you have a feedback loop so that if they say, yes, this is really important, but then you, the, the, uh, the receiver, the call don't think that it really is then you um you score them afterwards and if they overestimate it then they never get through to anybody else again doesn't this harken back all of this to uh alex saunders what, not emodium what was the name of that There's, there are two Colibra. things what's that iodum yeah iodum I, you know i always yeah. confuse it with the diarrhea remedy but it's <laughs> iodum yeah they uh, rhymes with i thought that that was a a brilliant concept i've never used a service of course but apparently uh, you folks are kind of doing that sort of thing as well. So uh, determining, you don't use anybody's calendar though, right, uh, Alex? You don't use their, because that's what their thing was, was it was had your Outlook calendar and was able to see if your mother-in-law had a, an appointment with you or something vaguely like that. I guess you're not doing that. Oh, he's frozen. Seems to be frozen. Anyway, that was, uh, I thought that their service was interesting. I don't know what happened to that, but it eventually did disappear. Well, I think Alex, uh, Alex got a better offer. From, well, uh, you know, Alex left, but Alex but watch left. Out. But... Jim, is, uh, Jim is listening. Okay. Anyway, um, gosh, uh, Alex, who I would thank, and we, we're going to kind of pretty much end the call, I believe, unless there's anybody else who wants to say anything. Actually, it's been a really good session. Excellent. Um, yeah. Um, I think uh, you, Mel, is, uh, this is pretty brilliant, actually. And there's so much more you can do with it. Exactly. There's a lot more that can be construed uh, on top of it. It's an, an, an OTT application. You can put something OTT again and bolt on stuff around. Yeah. So Very he's nice. saying we have to – here he comes. He's going to come back. So great. Alex, you're back. So, um, yeah, I was just going to say that uh, it's interesting if you're going to be offering numbers. Uh, that's an interesting future thing to do. But mainly I wanted to say that apparently we're out of questions, but we had a very, very interesting session, and we really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for Michael for arranging it. Thanks for you. Thanks to you for uh, for being here. And I think it's been a great call. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I really enjoyed it. And it'd be great to get you across to Berlin so you can meet lots of Europeans. <laughs> yeah, and failing that, need to get you up to uh, Chicago for Klucon. Meeting it, Alex, or bring something. Glucon's probably a, an easier thing, though, but um, that might be something to consider, Alex. Uh, I am. It sounds like fun. Well, um, well, you just have to have Kathleen on the uh, on the bar there, who can tell you all about it. Yes, I have all the information. Um, August. All right. All right. <laughs> that, that's great. I'm Alex at email, so feel free to ping me at any time after this hangout. Great. Will do. Yep. All right. And thanks to everybody, uh, Michael Jarris, uh, Corrado, all the regulars, Andy, James, Michael, Tim. Thanks to you, Alex. And we will see you guys next week. I don't even know what we're doing next week, but we will by in the next couple of days. Okay. Mature audiences only. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Mature audiences only session comes right about now. Hey, that was the bleeding edge of the IP communications and VoIP community. We're at VUC.me on the web. 
thanks to Simwood.com, who can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our host at PBX is provided by OnSIP.com. The site at VUC.me is on Bluehost.com. We use ZipDX.com for our wideband, full-featured conference bridge. And our local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. Every Friday, 12 noon Eastern Time, see you next week.